Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 85. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and pop culture blind spots and sharing our must-see movies and guilty pleasures from the past. Or currently. Sometimes the the very recent past. Oh, the very recent past. Um, <laughs> like two or three weeks ago. <laughs> it, it's not my turn to choose something for forced viewing this week. It's actually Ashley's turn. But uh, before we get to what you chose, and which will, of course, dictate the rest of the conversation. That's right. Shall we address the fact that, uh, let's see, we dropped our last episode on March 31st, oh, wow. 2022. Okay. So three months ago. Three months ago. Nearly three months ago. Wow. Um, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, we went on hiatus unexpectedly, unexpectedly. without any yeah. warning whatsoever. Um, and I think uh, we should offer a few words uh, along the lines of uh, the dog ate my homework or the world ate my homework or something like that because um, life got crazy. So I was taking in the spring a design, my second design studio class um, which had major projects. I was building lots of things with balsa wood and doing lots of drawings. And That's uh, her other podcast. It was taking lots of <laughs> building things with balsa wood. <laughs> it sounds like a good title. <laughs> um, so it took, and my studio classes were long. Um, they were after, after work. So I was out at school until like eight o'clock on Monday and Wednesdays. And so that kind of ate into our podcast viewing and recording time. Um, hey, I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. A, no, it's okay. I just and then you know on the weekends <laughs> when we would have watched movies, I was building things with balsa wood and making you know technical drawings and stuff like that, which I love. Um, but it didn't allow me a lot of time outside of work and school to to work on our other projects that we work on. So, so something really telling to me is that I don't know. We usually watch probably a dozen to 20 movies a month or something like that. And I and we looked the other day, I looked at my letterbox where I keep track of stuff, and we hadn't watched any movies at all. I hadn't watched yeah. any on my own in June yeah. until yesterday when we saw two movies. Well, and, you know, we had family stuff going on, too. Um, we have a just-graduated senior, so getting her through the last, you know, three months of, of high school was a thing and then everybody's birthdays are in this like time frame too so it was like we an entered ending. this parallel universe in june where it was everybody's birthday including mine um i mean no it wasn't no, no it wasn't no. june it was, it was starting it, in april it, yeah it started as far back as april yeah it was fiona's birthday and then it was my 16 year old's birthday and then it was my birthday and then it was graduation and all and this their kind mom's of stuff birthday. yeah and then graduation, and then we went on two trips, or I went on two trips to Portland and to Albuquerque. Let's just say again, yeah. though, that uh, <laughs> we apologize for letting the podcast sort of wither on the vine for a while. It wasn't intentional. We're back. Yeah. We're recording this afternoon. We saw a great movie to talk about, and um, we are going we saw to... We two uh, good movies yesterday, so... We, you're only allowed to talk about one. I know we're only allowed to you talk about You have to save one. the other one for another show oh, or something right. if you want to. Ashley's architecture picks or something. That could be a whole Architecture thing. flicks, yeah. We should do an extra podcast yeah. uh, just of your architectural <laughs> movies or something like that. Yeah. Um, so um, we're, we're, our intention is to go back to a bi-weekly schedule and release a new show about every two weeks. And <laughs> I'm just, I'm thrilled that somehow we're, we're making it just under the wire before um, Overcast and the other podcast things have put the little like sunset logo next oh, yeah. to our, the name of our show to show that it's no longer active. So they haven't done that yet, even though it was no longer active for three months. And we're back. Yep. Okay. And the world is completely crumbling around us, but that's that's yeah. neither here nor there. I mean, it is there, and it is here. Well, I mean, so I, it was my pick. This this and it is Pride Month, um, so I wanted to. I was <laughs> I was torn about whether you've seen Vera Drake though, so it wouldn't it wouldn't count. But um, I was like, maybe we should watch Vera Drake and talk about that. But um, I just decided with all the horribleness that happened. Um, on Friday, uh, that um, I'm not going to let, I'm going to do the work, um, we're going to work to change this, and I'm not going to let my joy be stolen by people who, you know, <laughs> 
who wish harm on on me and and the people that I care about and women and people with uteruses everywhere. Um, so you know, I, I think that because uh, it's Pride Month, I wanted to pick something that celebrated Pride Month, and the two that I considered was Ang Lee's The Wedding Banquet. Um, which came out in 1993, I think, or yeah, 1993, okay. and then um, or something that came out just this, just this month uh, mere, in mere celebration, weeks mere weeks ago for Pride Month, which was um, Fire Island, which is a Hulu movie that is an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, and like. I didn't know this was coming, but I saw an article about this, and I was like, okay, I'm on board. Um, because it's the gay yeah. Pride and Prejudice rom-com adaptation yes. we've all been waiting for. Set on Fire Island, on Fire Island. in New York. So, um, awesome. Um, I'm all about it. So I, as soon as I discovered it, watched it, um, Dave was away with um, uh, one of the kids on a trip. And I watched, that was one of the many things I watched that weekend. No, no. Actually, <laughs> the way I remember this is my friend at work had just told me, oh my God, I just saw Fire Island. You have to see Fire Island. And I said, oh my God have you seen Sex Education? Yeah. I've been watching that. It's amazing. And she was like, no, I haven't seen that. And we were going to trade like recommendations. Oh, okay. And I came home and you were like halfway through. Yeah, yeah. You had started watching it. And I was like, wait, you're watching this without me. My friend literally just told me to watch this. <laughs> well, so. I, the thing is, is I had texted you about it the same day, but you always lose our chat threads. So um, I had okay. texted about it the same day. I was fair, like, oh my God, there's a gay adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. At any we given time, the, the text could come on on <laughs> Gchat, on my work email, or on my fun email, or via a text on my uh, right. phone. So I, I, I That one was in the Gchat. I have so. ADHD and I can't always keep track yeah, of all that. I'm so. sorry. It's okay. We were talking about serious stuff along with the... Yeah. Um, Nevertheless, so, let's focus. Let's focus. Dave. Uh, so uh, again, this is a 22 and 2 film... Um, it's directed by Andrew Ahn, yes. and it's written by the star of the movie, Joel That's... Kim Booster. Yeah. Which is... I, I just looked that up right I before. didn't know until the end credits when we, yeah. after the film. I didn't catch the So he's the like a comedian. Um, um, I don't know. I, th- I think he did a really good job. It's clear that he is very familiar with the um, ins and outs of Pride and Prejudice. And, and also I, the works of Alice Munro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, a, her short story collection, Runaway, appears in the movie at some point. <laughs> well, I just, um, I think he did a really good job of, it's, I mean, there are a lot of decent adaptations of of Pride and Prejudice, of Jane Austen films, but like, I think this one was just really well done. It was a really good update, like, you know, it's hard to update the circumstances of, you know, Georgian era, you know, England to like modern day circumstances. And I think they just did a really good job of adapting it to not only modern day circumstances, but a specific, you know, subset of society, gay men in America in Vacationing on Fire Island. Yeah, that was, <laughs> it's awesome. They just did such a fantastic go- job of translating some of the like major important plot points. Um, and then of course, you know, part of the genius of Jane Austen is that because she's exploring these universal themes of like love and rejection and um, class and, you know, all of those things, um, some of that is pretty easy to adapt, but to actually like get some of the major like emotional plot points in there, they had to like move some things around in order to, you know, uh, you know, make it work. But I think he just did a really good job. So yeah, can we sketch in a little bit the the main characters and how they map to uh, Pride and Prejudice? Because so (laughs) Pride and Prejudice is like one of Ashley's favorite books. Jane Austen is her bae, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we've watched uh, on the podcast, we did review the uh, 95 95 Pride and Prejudice with Colin for one of the 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 best one. I'm not going to argue with you 2005 people. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I I have to say in the beginning, the first 15 or 20 minutes, I had to do a little more work trying to recollect like how which character maps to who and what originally because I just don't know it as well as you do. Yeah. So um, can you fill in a little bit of uh, the story and the setting for us? Uh, so we have open on Noah who actually starts out by um, with the voiceover, you know, saying the famous, you know, a uh, oh, man of good fortune 
um, must be in one of a wife, which is the famous opening lines is sort of the introduction into it. So his, this is from his point of view, um, Noah's the Elizabeth character, um, so he's in a hurry to get to the ferry to go over to Fire Island because him and his group of friends, um, and this group of friends is going to represent the Bennett family. Um. <laughs> I know, I, I love that. It's, it took me a while to really catch up. Uh, it's pretty clear what they're going for, but like, so he gets to the ferry just in time, um, and he introduces us to his friends. Um, he's got Howie, who's his best friend. Um, they're both Asian gay men. Um uh, and so they actually do a really good job of sort of, ex- and we can talk about that later, of exploring what being a gay Asian man is. Mm-hmm. And, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. Um, um, let's see. They have Luke, who um, is uh, another, he's played by Matt. Matt Rogers. Matt Rogers. So the Las Culturistas, uh, the yeah. hosts of the podcast, yeah. uh, Bo and Yang plays Howie. Yeah, Bo and Yang plays Howie. Who's, who's our Jane Bennett. Who's the Jane Bennett. <laughs> and then we have Luke, who's Lydia. Um, we have Keegan, uh, who plays Kitty. Um, and then uh, Max, uh, who is sort of the Mary, the sort of like more stayed, um, stay at home, uh, play piano and read kind of. But, uh, she's actually the least well-developed Bennett. And unfortunately, that means he's sort of the least well-developed character Um you know, although the other the other sisters aren't as uh, sisters, uh, the the other sisters aren't hey, as well developed. I, I want to chime in with two things. Yeah. First of all, totally amazing because lest you be disappointed that there's no bustling around Mrs. Bennett in this, they give us Margaret Cho. Oh, I love a, she's as, so good <laughs> as their their friend uh, and host Aaron, who yeah. has a house on Fire Island and. Um, it, it, that she hosts them every year when they come out yeah. there for the week to do the thing, and uh, um, she even talks. To, she even talks about them as my girls and yeah. stuff like that. So it's very much she's. Oh, it she's, was so she's good to have Margaret Cho. I think it was just so well done. Uh, like choosing to have like like an older lesbian play sort of the matriarch of the family. Um, in this sort of like built family, you know, and there's some references I think throughout to some issues that the, the men have with their, you know, birth families and, and how they're sort of dependent on this, on this built family, which is, I think a true for a lot of, um, you know, LGBT folks, unfortunately still even. Also, I, I didn't know that much about fire Island. So I was reading about it this morning and the, the, Cherry Grove is more of a lesbian mm. um, village community, and then um, uh, Fire Island Pines is that what it's the called? The Pines. The yeah. Pines is the is mostly gay men, um, so you have some representation from <laughs> Margaret Cho too. Yeah. Just... Um, so I mean, like, because everybody went out there. Um, actually, famously, is the starting point for. Um, Um, And the band played on, which is a fantastic book about the history of the AIDS epidemic in the United States. And it starts off in Fire Island on on the Bicentennial. So that's been on my TBR list for, I mean, I never read it on my own, but you've been mentioning it since we've met. And so I well, I read that when I was like 16. It really sort of changed my life and my perspective in a lot of ways. So um, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I'm sure there's better and more up-to-date literature on um, on the AIDS epidemic and the gay community. But um, at the time, in, in the late 90s, it was it was really a, a meaningful book to me, you know, so... I didn't realize that the gay history of Fire Island, with it starting to be, mm. like, a, a sanctuary, started as far back as, like, the 30s. Yeah. With, when, when, it be, when people in theater and stuff like that from New York would start to... Start to out go out there, there yeah. and have a place to go. And then it really yeah. became, like, an explosively well, popular... It's, it's interesting, too. I mean, like, it's the history... The of San Francisco is that, like, it really wasn't a, a gay enclave until after the wars, and, like, yeah. the sailors would come back, and they found a place that they could be themselves um, away from, you know, wherever they came from originally. that's why we have the LGBT community in, in San, San Francisco, Francisco originally. Yeah, because yeah. of the port aspect of San Francisco. <laughs> I'm from San Francisco, and I grew up there, and yeah. I didn't know that until yeah. you researched that and told me about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so, I guess, to continue the sort of, like, character... Um, the, the guy who plays um, the Darcy character, Will Darcy, is named Will. 
naturally. And he's played by Conrad Ricamora. He's a very attractive man. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Bingley is uh, played by... Uh, uh, well, B- I don't know who he's played by. His Charlie. character's Charlie. Charlie is the character And the actually, movie. I mean, they use the actual names from the book. So it was Charles Bingley and Will Darcy. Or Fitzwilliam Darcy, but anyway. They did that throughout, because, you know, yeah. Max is an M name for yeah. the Mary character, yeah. and, and Luke is a Lydia L name, and, yeah. and so that, that helped me. <laughs> yeah, well, Margaret Cho's character's name is Aaron, that doesn't really match no, up No, but anything. a number of the, the sisters, so to, so to speak. So, and then um, uh, Will and Charles have a friend named Cooper who's, like, like snotty and awful and also wonderful and catty and uh, we love him despite the fact that he's terrible just like we love and hate Caroline Bengley who was um, Mr. Bingley's sister in uh, Pride and Prejudice. Um, I just think this guy did just a great job of being the most like catty. Catty, snide. Yeah, uh, so good. Um, Bitchy, yeah. (laughs) And then he has um, a friend named Brayden who, like, his whole role in the whole thing is to, like, pretend like he doesn't remember who Noah and Howie are the whole whole movie. And so that's that (laughs) classist racist stuff coming in there that this movie somehow manages to deal with on top of just the elements of, elements of, did I say elephants? Yeah. The the elements of it being a a fun romantic comedy. Well, I I think there's this, like, the great scene where they're introducing everybody on the boat over Mm. um, from New York. Um, Like, he explains the sort of... um, sort of classism in the gay community based on, like, appearance and race and masculinity and um, wealth, you know? And, Mm -hmm. like, throughout it, there's some stuff, like, you know, um, when they arrive at the big house party, like... You know, he says something about how that there's some people that think Fire Island should only be reserved for like thin, rich, white, gay guys. That's you know? the party they walk into, yeah, that's literally. The, yeah, it really was. So. Except for Will. And, you know, he talks about how they're not, I mean, like, he's like, we're poor. And he's like, not like poor, but like compared to the wealth that they experience on this like vacation spot you know, where there's people that have these, like, giant palatial homes that are, you know, concrete and glass, and they have pools that, like, go in and out, and, you know, compared to, um, Noah is a, um, care nurse, um, which, um, like, it gets more, and, because, like, Noah, like, he's trying to, um, I guess, like, focus more on his, like, physical appearance in order to make him feel better about Mm -hmm. himself. But, like, he's actually, um, he seems sort of superficial in the way that he portrays himself to the world. But he actually is, you know, he's he's a care nurse. He loves to read. Um, He has all these great, he has this great relationship with um, Howie. Um, They have this great, like, complex friendship, you know. Lifelong friends. Yeah. Looking out for each other. So, I mean, like, there's a real difference between how he tries to portray himself to protect himself. Which is one of the, the problems world. that Will has with him yeah. and sort of calls him out on is yeah. the sort of fake persona he puts out there. Yeah. Um, just just really interesting and complex. Um, I think that's all. Oh, and then there's Dex, who plays Wickham, um, the Wickham character, who um, uh, does one over on Lydia or Luke in this case. Yeah, so, so in the original, in the Pride and Prejudice, Wickham is the one who does the sort of fake elopement to Scotland thing with yeah. Lydia to... And then actually hides her in um, uh, London for, yeah. for weeks and weeks. And then, like, Darcy has to make them get married, you know, is what happens in the in the original um, text. So because you're so familiar with Pride and Prejudice. Can you just sketch in in a line or two again to re- to remind me and anybody out there like the 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 dynamic between the two major couples? So in the original, w- how would you characterize sort of like the Elizabeth Darcy so, conflict slash relationship playing out in it? So yeah, so Jane and Elizabeth are the two sort of main sisters. Okay, um, so that's... And they are the main characters in this yeah, as well. so that's Noah and Howie in this. And so the relationship between the sisters and then the relationship between their prospective bows right. are the sort of main conflict. And there's other stuff going on, but that's sort of the main conflict. I in, like how you get two romantic yeah. comedies for the price of one, or two couples, like yeah. their stories play out, both in the original and in this. So Jane, and I believe Howie as well, is the nice kind, pretty sister. She's the oldest. She's the most sort of 
I don't know. She's she's very nice. She's very caring. Um, she's more sort of tied into her emotional side than uh-huh. Elizabeth is. Um, Over Elizabeth is more of an overthinker. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, like in in this, we have Howie, who's very much tired of. Well, he he's never had a boyfriend because, and you know, that's where they get into sort of the intersectionality of being a gay Asian man is that like, I mean, and and this is true, you know, in dating in general is that like, they've done studies on this, that there's a lot of bias against gay men specifically, uh, sorry, not gay men, Asian men specifically. Um, and so they get in, they talk about that, uh-huh. you know, they talk about the racism that they get from the white community. They talk about the um, sort of bias there is towards them as dating people within mm-hmm. their community. And so Howie is very, he very much wants to be in love. He wants to be in a relationship. He doesn't want to just, you know, screw well, around. And yet every year they drag him out on this yeah. <laughs> like wild party, which is sort of like a hookup, a big yeah, hookup big culture hookup thing. thing. And yeah. he is he's not, just not for, he's not no, for him. He would rather yeah. sit there and read a book quietly. And, and, uh, he think, wants somebody to hang out with and have yeah. good conversations with and be romantic and love you with someone who will take care of him and that he can take care of them. So in the Jane Austen, this character, the Jane character, mm. um, gets matched with, Bingley, right? Bingley. And he's a very... Um, he's, I, he's rich, right? He's, he's rich. He's very kind-hearted. Um, he's very nice, too. They, they they seem like they match very well. Uh-huh. Um, in this one, um, Charlie is a little clueless. Um, but they also... I mean, I think the attempt is there to give him a good heart and to make him Yeah, nice he's so... I mean, person. like, he's so out of... T- uh, he... He's so out of touch with, like, he doesn't know all the pop culture references no, that they're making. and he doesn't seem to understand the shitty dynamics of how his friends treat uh, yeah. the our, our heroes when, they, what, when he invites them over Which is something Mr. Bingley does as well, There's yeah. a clueless kind of, like, he seems unaware of the class and racial issues yeah. or, or even, like, you know how they look or, yeah. you know, they're not as uh, six-packy yeah. as this. <laughs> well, and I will say, like, the costuming is really yeah. well done here. Like, you can tell, like, I mean, the way they did the costumes on on everybody, like, you can tell a lot about their personality and about their level of wealth based on the clothes that they're can wearing. Can you unpack that a little bit? Because you're going you're gonna to point my eye to something I didn't really pick up so, on the so first the, time. So the one that, like, really struck me... Um, Will of course always dresses far more conservatively. I mean, like he literally dresses like a like a '40s golf dad, like yeah, um, like a rich '40s golf dad. They but go that's to the a- underwear party, and he's <laughs> yeah. either still wearing just swimming trunks or, or he's like wearing his khaki, khaki, like khaki, slack, khaki slacks, slack shorts. <laughs> yeah, um, but the one that that really struck me, like right off the bat, is Cooper, and he's wearing these like really flashy like expensive and they're probably like Versace or something like that. He's wearing a matching like silk shirt and then like the swim trunks that go with it. So this is like Versace's summer line or something like that. It's just his clothing in particular really flashy. And yeah, he talks about it too. Isn't he the one who's like name dropping his, yeah. uh, Well, he's like, I really like your, um, uh, your swim trunks. Did you get them on Amazon? (laughs) Oh, which is what he says to Noah. He has the best bitchy lines. Yeah, he's pretty bitchy. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, you can really tell the... Um, and like, you know, our our Noah and, and his friends are wearing, you know, what what would, you know, what you would get at like Target or, or you know, just like t-shirts. I think Noah has an Adidas uh, like singlet that he wears most of yeah. the episode or most of the they look movie. fine they, yeah they, it's not. well i mean that's how people look when yeah, they go they just, on vacation exactly. in the summer you know but i just think they just did a really good job of like you know having people's personalities come out in the clothing that they're wearing um what were we talking about <laughs> well what led to this whole thing was i asked you if oh you about could the relationships the, yeah sort of connect the relationships in the original to so this yeah will, adaptation. will and howie are drawn together immediately which is what also happens in the book itself no will so, and noah yeah so uh, yeah yeah no <laughs> 
Charlie Will is and Darcy. Howie. Howie and Charlie. There we go. Okay, I wasn't Sorry. sure which couple you're talking about. So Howie and Charlie are drawn together pretty much immediately. The two nice guys, Yeah, right? and I think another thing this does well is they sort of like speed up the timeline because the book happens over like a year and a half or this more. This is one week. So this is over one week, so like... They're pretty clear that like like relationships are built and and created very in a in a quick timeline in this sort of you know fast hookup culture that's you know isolated on this island during this like particular time period, which I mean like completely makes sense. And and so you know in the original, of course, Mrs. Bennett is trying to marry off her daughters. Yeah. <laughs> in this one, Noah's trying to get Howie laid. Yeah, that's that's all. So he. He's more interested in getting Howie to meet somebody that he can sleep with. And Howie's just not there for that. Yeah. Um, um, meanwhile, um, Noah is like, I'm not going to sleep with anyone until you sleep with someone. So he, he's, he's usually kind of tense. like a hookup yeah. culture kind of thing. In the meantime, he sort of starts this sort of like... Um, contentious relationship with Will where they're like sniping at each other and um there's like sexual tension but they're um but they also kind of hate each other and um how do you like Will as our Darcy in this I think he's perfect I I think think he's he's amazing he's great um he just when I saw his face and the way he's (laughs) just so poker faced and cool and uh aloof and everything and I'm like that's Darcy so my favorite scene between the two of them, I mean, and there's a lot of good scenes between yeah. them, is when um, Noah comes back after the party to pick up uh, Howie because yeah. Howie got sick and stayed over at Charlie's place. So he goes to pick him up and um, he runs into Will in the kitchen and they have this like like fight over about water bottles or something yeah. like that. And it's just so good. Um, you know, and, um, you know, I guess Will is trying to apologize. Um for being such a jerk and like Noah's like having none of it. And then like, he tries to give him like one of those fancy glass water bottles. And he's like, thanks for, you know, you know, the tap tap water tastes fine here, you know? And so then then uh, Will Will throws it out like in the trash. Um, And then when Noah leaves the room, he pulls it out of the trash and puts puts it in in the recycling. recycling. It's just such a weird thing. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Another, do you have more? No, I think that's, well, I really love one of my favorite scenes between them um, being a book ashore to fellow was when <laughs> Will comes to find um, Noah hanging around on his own reading the Alice Munro. Yeah, short it's when stories. they come over for dinner. And um, I don't remember the, the how the scene plays out, but it's kind of like the way he says, oh, you're reading that. It turns into, a, oh, yeah, because I'm totally illiterate and I don't know anything sort of thing. <laughs> Well, I think he says I burned through animorphs, so... Oh, yeah. So, so I thought I'd... So, and this was lying around. It's just... So. Uh, it's pretty funny. So my brother's kids read animorphs, I believe, so... Um. I don't think... I don't think Noah reads animorphs. They had a good conversation about Alice Munro. Well, and I, I'll say another scene that I really liked, which I thought was just a really interesting detail about um, Fire Island itself. And, mm-hmm. like, if you... I guess if you're... You know, if you're familiar with with Fire Island and you go there, that this would be like a thing that everybody knows. But they have this scene where they go to the pantry, which is the store on the island that they, you know, the grocery store. And of course, since it's out in the middle of an island, right? It's and it's like a small business, um, like it's really expensive. So there's this like joke about how, and I th- I think that's like an I would I would bet that that's an in joke about from the community there, you know. Um, um, but there's that's that's a great scene where they're talking about how everything's so expensive, and then like Keegan is like, "Oh, I'm so good at uh, you know stealing things," and he puts oh. a carrot under his uh, under his like half shirt that he's wearing. So the joke is though, like, well, we have to walk to the pantry. We can. Why don't we get a water taxi? And they're yeah. like, because it's nine dollars a person. Think of what we could get for nine dollars. And they go one water. Yeah, yeah. How many? Think of how many water bottles we could get for nine dollars. Um, uh, Sorry, guys, for yeah. misquoting the script. <laughs> well, I've seen it twice now, so that's true. Um, you're, so you're it technically follows our rules. It's not fair. Uh, but that's actually at the pantry is where they meet um, our Wickham character, Dex. Yeah. Um, who's, um, I mean, like he's an attractive, kind of weathered-looking guy, and 
I, I think he like immediately has an attraction to um, to Noah, um, much like Wickham did in in mm-hmm. in the book to Elizabeth. Um, so like they immediately sort of take him home and in, and they're walking around with him and they run into Bingley and sorry yeah Charlie and uh, Will and um, you know Will like immediately does not like. You know, it's clear that there's some sort of history between Dex and Oh, he Will. knows him. He's... Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and, and, um, no one notices this and invites, uh, Dex to dinner that, that, that Will and Charlie were yeah, already yeah. coming to. So, um, it's an awkward dinner with all of those it's like, people. like, let me, let me throw this wrench into it. I'll invite this yeah. guy he hates. <laughs> and like, so Will starts trying to warn, um, Noah about Dex um, you know, which is, you know. And Noah just thinks he's being a dick and controlling yeah. and weird. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, that's, um, that's how they set up the sort of like Wickham or, uh, I guess Dex, Will and Noah love triangle thing that sort of takes you through, you know, most of the, most of the, most of the... What do you think about the chemistry between Noah and Will in this version? Do you feel like it's it's there from early on in, in, in the same way in our favorite adaptation of Pride and Prejudice? You I get, do. Uh, I, I really electric do. air between... Uh, yeah, I really do. I mean, it's just they're so... this The kinetic and the cattiness, like from the very first like party that they go to where um, Noah overhears Will um, saying... Uh, uh, He's not hot enough to be that annoying, I think is what... Right. It's the line that um, he says about Noah. Um, and Noah overhears this. Um, and doesn't uh, Elizabeth overhear something terrible that uh, Darcy says in, in, in Pride and Prejudice or something like that as well? I mean, there's a, say, there's a there's a echo her there. Her sister is tolerable, I suppose, but right. not, okay. um, not something enough to tempt me or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, like it's oh, it's man. a pretty it's a pretty equivalent um, sort of thing, and you know Noah confronts him on that, um, and, and is pretty catty to him. But then they also have the great scene at that same party where like um, you know Margaret Cho is loud, and like Keegan and Luke are like drinking totally way too much liquor and throwing, and throwing up. up in and stealing like the uh speakers the speaker and, and taking it to the hot tub and eating cheese in the yeah. hot it's just so um it's pretty good get them out you of know there. equivalent to Mar- uh to Kitty and Lydia sort of making yeah. a fool of themselves at uh, at a party yeah. um so that's really good um i guess the sort of like big sort of switch starts to happen um during the underwear party mm-hmm. um where there's um where Noah and Will uh, end up dancing together. Mm-hmm. And this is a great scene. Um, I forget what song is playing when they dance. I don't know. I didn't make a note of it. I think it's... Well, it's, it's an Icona pop song. So okay. it's, it was really... It's a really well, beautifully lit scene. Yeah. And you feel that sort of kinetic uh-huh. connection to them. Another thing that I liked about the underwear party is they really like... And I was, I was actually talking about this in relation to... Um, to something else that we were watching uh-huh. the other day. But like, I really am like thrilled and fascinated by the fact that we've gone from where you could barely show a kiss on mm-hmm. TV. Like when I was a kid mm-hmm. to now, when we are like fully exploring like the nuances of, All of sexuality, of LGBT sexuality yeah. on TV. And so like they have this, like it's a party where people are in their underwear and then there's a back area where people can go and engage in sexual activity. Mm-hmm. And like, they actually had um, like uh, Dex and, and, and Noah went back and, you yeah. know, um, start doing some stuff. And then that's when Will comes back and like is concerned and trying to warn him against, against, uh, Will. So, I mean, like I just was, it's really cool that we've gotten to a point where we can actually like, Explored the full 360, you know, of these, you know, com- complex human relationships when before we could barely even whisper well, about Well, you know them, what it was. You know? We were watching Sex Education. That's Every right. Every single episode of that is very frank and completely yeah. open about teenagers and sexuality in every dimension. Yeah. Every permutation, every gender, every, I mean, <laughs> um, 
And we never had anything like that before. Certainly yeah. not when we were growing up, not five years ago. I mean, well, this I is think like it, it mainstream now. It takes the now. stigma away from it. I mean, like it's titillating and fascinating, but it also takes the stigma away from it. And you get to see these people as, you know, completely human people that experience love and loss and and desire and lust and all of those things and and like what that does to 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 I mean it's not just representation for people who are younger and gay but it's also helping people that are unaware and afraid of that type of relationship and what it means for society and the world and, and can just we to just see, normalize everything uh, yeah I because, know <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> so we can all watch, all of us can watch this stuff. and Well, I, and I just, like, it's exciting. So, like, I mean, like, it's interesting because, like, I don't know how Margaret Cho identifies now. I don't know if she identifies as a lesbian, but mm-hmm. she came out as bisexual when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I remember just being, like, she was the first person that I knew was bisexual. I, I just was a big fan of hers. Um, so, like... You know, I, I don't know, back then it seemed like, I don't know, like more edgy and now it seems like more of a declaring of who you are as a person and that's, mm-hmm. that's cool and like, um, anyway, I'm, I'm just um, thrilled that we're getting all of this and mm-hmm. like um, exploring all, all of that that it has to offer. I also have to say that like, like three quarters of this movie, if I hadn't been a Dan Savage follower for since I was a teenager, I probably would not have gotten like about 45% of the references to like gay culture and and everything okay, like that. So if I've only been listening to Dan Savage for about five years, <laughs> yeah. I'm now trying to guesstimate how much I, I'm I'm probably missed. Yeah. Well, it's there's a great line where like what it's just a throwaway line where it's yeah. like, Can I trade somebody uh 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 uh, white uh, a crust white strip for a prep pill, um, which prep is the medication that you take in order mm-hmm. to avoid um, transmission mm-hmm. of HIV, um, and um, <laughs> I mean like that's just like how how like the world has changed is that you know we have these medications that can prevent the transmission of HIV and make um, these connections safer yeah. for everybody, and so like. Um, but, like, you know, how would I have even known except for, you know, Dan Savage talks about it and, you know, in all of all of all of his stuff, you know, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So we talked a lot about how well this does like a, a take on Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice. But like, is there anything you felt maybe wasn't as successful in terms of just the adaptation part of it? Where, where maybe more could be done with, or maybe it's not even a problem, but... No, well, I mean, like, I guess the big thing is that um, Elizabeth has a very um, interesting relationship with her father. They're, mm-hmm. like, they're... Oh, I really like that and relationship. And I feel like they just subbed... I mean, they just made the relationship between Howie and Noah f- take over all of that, so you don't really need to have, you know, this, like masculine parental figure to have that relationship that they can have that relationship between, mm-hmm. you know, where they're advising each other and discussing things and talking about what's best and, you know, um, well, yeah, I mean, we've taken a story that's about a mother, father and their daughters and yeah. turned it into, and I always, I always like this kind of story, a found family kind yeah. of thing. You have this really tight, you know, family of friends yeah. that, who completely support each other and you're in their world and their community. Um, well, and like, I think another thing that they do really well is the sort of relationship between the sisters, um, as it were, like um, definitely the Jane Elizabeth relationship, but how Elizabeth kind of feels separated from her, uh, from speci- specifically Lydia and Kitty, yeah, and how you know she's a much more serious person, yeah, um, who's more involved with the world, and they're a little bit more flighty and off in their world and obsessed with boys and and you know parties and and that sort of thing. And I think they did a really good job, but they did something that Jane Austen doesn't do, uh-huh. which is that um, gives Lydia or Luke, yeah, like and and. Noah a chance to sort of like forgive each other 
for how they treat each other and like mm-hmm. come to an understanding, which like that never really you don't happens. really get that with Lydia and no, Elizabeth. No, they never sort of. It's always just like poor Lydia, you know, and and like look at the stupid decision she made and look how she's stuck with this terrible guy, but like Luke and Noah get to like appreciate each other and come to an understanding and realize that they're part of the same family, you know, I don't know. Um, we haven't talked about, uh, the Luke story, the Lydia, Luke, Luke, Lydia story yet. Oh, well, that's what actually what I thought was one of the most clever updating yeah. <laughs> uh, of the original story instead of the, uh, the, with taking away, you know, absconding with uh, Lydia and taking her off to Scotland. What's the name of the town in Scotland where you could get married? Gretna Green. Gretna Green. Yes. The scandal of of Wickham taking uh, Lydia off to Gretna Green to <laughs> marry her. Yes. Sleep with her. He didn't all take her that. there though. They stayed in London. Yeah. Well, so in this you have uh, it's that that awful Dex. character Dex, the one that Will tries to warn. Noah to stay away from and you know that guy's trouble you guys need to ditch him and all of that well you know despite the attraction between Noah and Dex it's Dex ends up having a something or other with yeah Luke yeah Luke's the character right yeah Luke the one played by Matt Rogers yeah Luke and Dex so um they get together and hook up and uh Dex films him uh I mean, it's... He films them having sex and puts yeah. it out on the internet. Yeah. Um, so you've got... Uh, you now have Jane Austen revenge porn. Yeah, essentially. Basically. So, I mean, like, that is a really successful, like, way to, you know, update this particular circumstance, you know? While still making it horrible and... Uh, yeah, and and terrible. Um, so, like, yeah, and it's, it's like... It's, and then also being raising the issue of consent and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, and yeah, like the the feeling of being violated, of having mm-hmm. your private interactions published publicly, you know, without you knowing about it or consenting to it. And, um, you know, that's the, the like horrible thing about this is like, you know, maybe if he had asked, then it would have been fine, you know, but... Um, but like no, they woke up to find it out there being shared around, yeah, viral kind of thing. So it's just um, it's sucked, in. and so it's it's a good way to to you know to have that same sort of hurt and betrayal happen, you know, um, and then of course like um, uh, Noah and Will storm off to take care of Dex and make yeah. him delete it off the internet and then uh, delete it off his phone. You know, I forgot to mention, like, and and I have this on my notes, too, is that another thing that I liked is in order to to sort of give us a more traditionalist way of doing things without mm-hmm. having to have people text each other on screen all the time, which I think is something that you don't like very often that we yeah. do now, where we have to read people's texts on screen. Whoop! Whoop! Well, what it was, <laughs> the one that irritated me was Jane the Virgin, because yeah. I actually never really got a chance to watch the show, but <laughs> when um, my kid was watching it, and I think when you... They have entire scenes that is just like, whoop, but whoop, they don't freaking turn off their typing noise. Yeah. So you have these long scenes of just, boop, and it just irritated the crap out of me. So one way they worked around that is in the very like the when they first arrive on Fire Island at the new house. I mean, not not the at the house. Noah gets bumped, and his phone flies into the swimming pool, and he's. You know, it's established that he doesn't have a lot of money. Um, it's expensive to live in New York City. So he has an older cell phone that's not waterproof like phones are now. And so, like, they have this great scene where he dumps rice on it trying to save it. Yeah. And it just never it's wakes up. It's a dead up. iPhone 6. It's a dead iPhone <laughs> 6. Um, that's actually how we discovered that um, Margaret Cho is going to have to sell the house um, because she's um, she doesn't have any yeah, more money. Yeah, we didn't even mention that. Yeah. We have the threat of this being their last uh, their last week Which, on Fire Island because I mean, she has to sell the house. I mean, that's fine but I don't think it's all that relevant to the it's, whole it's the it's whole a thing. detail but like I did like how like they carried this thread through of the phone so when they do confront Dex about his thing like um Noah th- when he yeah, after he deletes the video he throws the phone in serious, the serious like pool. mic drop like throws it in the pool and as and they're then, walking away Will <laughs> says you know they're waterproof now right yeah <laughs> he says don't 
<laughs> don't ruin this for me. <laughs> yeah, don't ruin this for me. So okay. that was good. Um, All right, so we've talked extensively about this being an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice down to the character, down to the theme, down to the plot point. Mm -hmm. And so what if somebody out there (laughs) who doesn't listen to this show doesn't know anything about Pride and Prejudice or Jane Austen, like if you kick that out, if you like pull out that the scaffold there, like and you just have a romantic comedy and you're not we can't I don't even know if you can answer this, but is the movie that's there like still good and enjoyable and oh, fun yeah. for somebody who just wants to see a romantic comedy or something I like that? I think it's I think it's delightful film regardless of whether you I mean like the thing is that's again like, I guess the I'm genius asking, of of this plot structure is yeah. it it's explores these universal themes. So even if you're not familiar with the literature, if you are familiar with the literature, it has a lot to enjoy but even if you're not if you're like way into pop culture it has so many great pop culture references um just like tied in there i think at one point you were like i'm not catching all these because they're speaking so quickly it's very um it reminds me a lot of gilmore girls and the Uh way they're kind of throwing out these pop culture references like left and right or just screwballs era i mean yeah talking talking, over each other like his girl friday and, and or or even Robert Altman ensemble cast kind of yeah. all talking over each other sometimes. Yeah. Well, and it has all the, like, romantic comedy moments. Like, it has the the point where Will makes a fool of himself in order to show that he's not, like, a Well, this a just terrible... tells me, again, what we already knew, that the template for romantic comedy yeah. is there as far back as Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. You know, that, like, you cannot even be aware that this is Pride and Prejudice, and it's still hit the tropes that you needed to hit and the beats you wanted to hit. Well, I mean, I think in a way it does a... Because, like, they have... Like, they're on vacation. They have free time to spend with each other. Like, they have scenes where Will and um, Noah are on the beach reading together, which I think both of you and I were like, they need sunglasses if they're going to read on the beach or to be under an umbrella. It's It's really hard to read on the beach. It's too bright to read on the beach. It's not very fun to read on the beach. As people who like to read on the beach. Um, So, I mean, like, they did have a... Like, do a good job of demonstrating why these two men would be compatible. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a really good... It has the big, like, sort of, like, there's... Uh, uh, to, to quote uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the gratuitous karaoke moment where they're singing uh, Sometimes I Run by Britney Spears. Um, you gotta have a gratuitous karaoke moment. That's right. <laughs> where, um, uh, which is sort of like Howie's last... Um, Last thing before, so I guess we should say what happens with Howie, which is that um, um, they invite ha- uh, Charlie's ex boyfriend to the island, who's been re- recently diagnosed with Lyme disease, and so like Charlie needs. Is that to even true? Be like, there for I don't. Much I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's funny. The only thing I remember about Lyme disease is that one of the characters, not characters, the people from the real world Seattle got Lyme disease. And that was like the no, big no, disease no. that, that they talked that's, about. That's the only thing I have too. I was yeah. wondering if that's what you were going to say when you're like one of the, and I was like the real world. It's the real world Seattle. The oh. Irene was her name uh, that had. Oh my God. You have such a good memory. Yeah. How well, did you that, pull her name out of the air? It's, um, that was probably I, one of the ones I watched. I was going to say but... Boston. I can't believe you knew it was Seattle too. Yeah, it was uh, Seattle. It was deep, definitely deep, Seattle. These are deep pop culture cuts. I, Cause me. I remember the Boston girls, the Boston one. Cause um, they, there was a girl from uh, the Valley who had uh, whose mother had died anyway sorry we don't need to go off on real world but <laughs> no i only really know new york and san francisco so. yeah well the i think like it was boston um seattle and uh san francisco were the ones that i really watched okay so, yeah i probably yeah never mind why, okay. why, why are we talking about the real world the real world is, the real world is awesome that's why well, i don't think this movie could exist without <laughs> no, the real world i think a true. lot of pop culture couldn't exist without the real world so um Okay, so what I was getting at is this is a good, this is still a successful, fun, like really well developed, hilarious script. Yeah. Whether or not you're into the Jane Austen thing, the Jane Austen thing is there, and it's got Easter eggs galore if you yeah. if you if you know it. But well, th- you one don't thing it. I love, and I I wrote this about the because like the soundtrack is excellent, has a great mix of like pop music, and then they have like um, I forget who the 
Jay Wadley who is did the the score. Okay. And so they have these moments so they'll they'll be pop music. Yeah. And then they'll have these like voiceover moments that have like this sort of like very Georgian like minuets and I think they oh, use right. four seasons in the rain scene where Will List. I remember you trying to say List. List. Franz it's not, List. List. But four seasons is very No, no, uh no, it's um uh uh why do you do this to me when we're recording? It's Vivaldi. Vivaldi, okay. Yeah. Vivaldi is the Four so Seasons. So they use the Four Seasons winter in the scene when they're coming back in the rain, um, yeah. where they have the big fight in the rain between Will and Noah. Um, but you've also got, for pop music, you've got some Charlie XCX, mm-hmm. you've got a couple of Perfume Genius songs that are yeah, really good. Yeah, there's two Perfume... Um, and of course, the, they got... Not only did they have the Britney Spears karaoke scene they actually use sometimes during the big sort of (laughs) romantic moment when charlie is like trying to to like realizes he's an idiot and trying to get howie back um and then of course you can't have you know a gay movie uh set on fire island without some disco so they had the last song which is the Mm -hmm. last dance by donna summer yeah um so so good perfectly ended the thing so there's with with the the fairy yeah going back well it's so great because they have the moment where there's the big kiss and it was a really great big kiss at the end Mm -hmm. really really top-notch kissing there (laughs) um but then they bring it back to this is a family and like with playing last dance and them dancing together everyone all together on the dock as the sun's setting. It's just really great ending without, you don't have to have a wedding, you know, um, no, unlike you don't. Joan, Joan Austin says, you, you know, have a wedding. and in fact, I think that's a theme that, that is carried pretty, you know, throughout is that Noah is not interested in a monogamous relationship at all, you know, um, Whereas Howie, I think, is very much interested in a monogamous relationship. So we end up with, like, two views of how this could end up with, you know, um, Howie and and Charlie looking like they're moving into a relationship that's going to be serious. And mm-hmm. maybe monogamous for a time, mm-hmm. as, as Dan Savage would say. But, like, you know, Noah is pretty, you know, clear that I like you, Will, but I'm not interested in monogamy. In monogamy. So it's... Um, so... You get to leave them with let's enjoy now. Like yeah. let's let's not worry about what <laughs> yeah. happens next. Well, I mean, and plus, like you know, he lives in New York. Yeah, Noah's from. I'm sorry, Noah lives in New York. Will is from L.A. Yeah. So is Charlie, I believe. But um, but um, another okay. Howie lives in in San Francisco, so they're at least on the same coast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just, this is a random detail, but I love the bait and switch about how the whole movie, Noah has this idea and stereotype of Will as just being an asshole, like corporate lawyer or something, because he hears he's a lawyer, (laughs) and it turns out two thirds of the way through, he's actually like, you know, does eviction law and immigration law and stuff like that. So so then you immediately know that he has family money. (laughs) He has family money, and he's actually doing something for people. Yeah. Um, Um, Which is cool and, and nice. Um. So can we have more, like, just, I want to say mainstream gay romantic comedies and more gay Asian American romantic comedies? I would, I mean, you know, I'm Jane Austen crazy. I love adaptations of classical literature in contemporary formats. Clueless is one of my favorite movies. It's, of course, an adaptation of Emma. I would watch well, Bridget Jones' Diary. Yeah. Is, is really is it's another a pride, pride, pride and prejudice, prejudice. So I think this goes right up there. But with okay, those. the thing about Clueless and Bridget Jones' Diaries is they're white. They're very white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I want is more like queer people of color in mm-hmm. these sorts of things. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be awesome to have like a Mansfield Park where Fanny is trans? I don't oh, wow. know if you're familiar with it, but well, I, ju- I just read Mansfield Park for the Fanny first time last year. Fanny goes to live year. with the fa- the richer yeah, family, yeah. and so what if Fanny is FTM mm-hmm. or sorry MTF, mm-hmm. and and like she can be herself when she's at the rich people's house, but she can't be herself back at home. And wouldn't that be cool? Because there's a whole part of okay. the book where she goes Guys, back home. <laughs> get out your copy of Final Draft. <laughs> <laughs> and let's make That's, a few phone calls. Well, uh, and then, because <laughs> there's make this, this beautiful, like, so Mary and Henry Crawford, who, yeah. like, are played as the villains in um, in in Mansfield Park usually, but what, they're actually, like, magical fairy creatures that are, like, 
wonderful. What if they are like bisexual non-binary and they're like flirting with Edmund and they're flirting with Fanny and they're like all up causing chaos because they're magical fairy creatures that do that sort of thing. How do we get this into development? I I think you're onto something here. There's just so much opportunity and like you could just, I don't know how we would put this in a modern context, but like I was thinking, I mean like there's so many ways that you can adapt it and add and I just want more of that exploration of the sort of intersectionality between queerness and uh, people of color and and how their experiences are different based on that, you know, that, you know, the experience of a white gay man is going to be different than the experience of a, of a uh, Asian gay, gay man, you know, and just that, that there's uh, infinite complexity in how people's experiences are. And they're all impacted by their identity, and by their race and by their, you know, all of that, all of that sort of combines together and affects how you move, not just in the world at large, but like in your specific community that you're in. So I don't know. I'm, I'm like here for like all sorts of like adaptations and like, what can we do with like a lesbian, like a black lesbian Jane Eyre? That would be like awesome. You know, like I just, there's like so many possibilities. And like, I think that all of these like this classic literature could be updated in in new and in- interesting ways. Like I haven't met. I, haven't I think we had a we. Had, <laughs> well, this, this is not an LGBT yeah. thing, but we had a we had a black Heathcliff Wuthering Heights. I think uh, yeah. was that Andrea Arnold's version that you oh, made a cool. few years yeah. ago. I, I never got to see it. I haven't it, seen but. it. Yeah, it's because I have a weird thing about Wuthering Heights, which is not my favorite. Book, What's hilarious but. to me, guys, is that <laughs> she knows that she doesn't like Weathering Heights, and you've read it like four. You've tried I've to read, read it, it four times. No, I've times. read it four times. All but the why way do you through. keep reading it if you don't like it? Well, I just because Jane Eyre is one of my favorite books. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I realize like they were written like by it. different people. Do you think but your opinion's going to change? Like, maybe? I don't know. I just feel like maybe there's something I'm missing. You know. So I need to read that because yeah. that's one of the ones I haven't read, and I, and I need to break the tie. Now. I mean, I need to like figure out: is it? Do I like it? Anyway. Well, it's just because Heathcliff is like, I mean, like, so whereas Rochester, like, you really get into like, he's a, he's a nice man in terrible circumstances. Mm -hmm. Like, Heathcliff is just a fucking asshole. Mm. You know, (laughs) like, I never see like, he's like selfish and self-obsessed and, and like, single-minded anyway it's just all like... i have is the Lawrence olivier <laughs> version of wuthering heights it's I'm all sure i've ever seen, seen. So. i've never read it i've never <laughs> seen any other adaptations so i'm kind of uh, behind there but anyway i love the way your mind works with yeah. these adaptation ideas and uh i should marry you someday yeah you just well, oh, well I, I mean yeah, a bit right. like so i haven't read middlemarch it's actually just came up in my queue for an audiobook um but I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's probably like, like 42 George hours. Elliott, there's an opportunity to do an adaptation of Middlemarch with queer characters or with people of color or both, ideally, you know, with the full, you know, human ex- plethora of experience that we have and, and like explore how, I mean, shoot, we could do it with the um, long book dude. I can't think of his name. Wait, what? Russian long book dude. Tolstoy? Tolstoy, thank you. I was I was going for Anna Chekhov. Karenina. Oh, we could do it with Chekhov too, you know, because those they all explore <clears throat> human emotion in one way or another. The Brothers Karamazov, yeah. Dostoevsky, and like that's the one thing that I find fascinating is that like so much has changed about our world with technology mm-hmm. and and the internet and everything. But like the thing is, is I still believe that some of these things are universal, and like some of these books they can they can be updated to reflect a more, you know, diverse human experience than we have, than they were able to, to, to do when they were written because there was no diversity in the circles that they so were written like in. So it's like take the universal know? themes that are there. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and update them, them. We, you know, we, let's yeah, explore the technology them. and let's explore the, you know, racial and, cultural implication and let's explore the identity and sexuality and gender related you know but don't just put implications. zombies in them or yeah yeah know. no pride and prejudice <laughs> and zombies yeah that was unfortunate uh, it was a thing i don't know yeah 
Well, I mean, like, I will say, I feel like that particular adaptation, it was neat. I, I haven't read it. I just know um, it was public domain. But I think, domain, like, it so. actually stole a little bit too much from um, Japanese, like, uh-huh. samurai stuff without being, t- yeah, without, yeah. I don't know. I was, it's now when I think back on it, I'm a little more uncomfortable with it than, you know, when I initially um, read it. I would so. rather just reread Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you can make anything going yeah. on in the background. Like, and initially I thought it was going to be more like that, where it was just, like, a retelling of the story with, a like, the idea of this zombie thing happening in the background, which mm-hmm. is a lot cooler than what it actually was, which is, like, they're trained assassins or some... No. Some, some BS like that. I don't okay. know. So, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to pick on this <laughs> in particular. Okay. It's kind of very loosely connected. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, do you have any uh, other thoughts? You have so many little notes there scribbled in pencil. If you yeah, can read I wrote them. lots of. I think I got through uh, everything I wanted to say. Although I do, you. I know you were choosing between this and the wedding banquet, and I still want to watch the wedding banquet <laughs> sometimes. So. Well, and and that I mean, like that's the thing that I was arguing with myself about is like, do we want to watch a movie? Which is, I mean, the wedding banquet is about uh, a gay Asian man um, who's Chinese and. Mm-hmm. Um, his family is very interested in him being married. So he finds a woman who I believe is trying... I can't remember the actual plot. Yeah. But I believe that she's trying to get a visa for the United States. Mm -hmm. And so he agrees to marry her in order to satisfy his family. Um, But he actually has been in a long-term partnership with a man in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're going through this whole big thing of him getting married to a woman when he actually is in a relationship Mm -hmm. with a man. Um, which, like, at the time was, I mean, it probably still happens now, you know, unfortunately. I mean, I think it's less common here in the States than it was in the 90s, but um, I'm sure that it still happens yeah. all over the world and probably still here as well. So, But I wanted to talk about, like, how far we've come and, and, and still how, mu- how much further we have to go on yeah. this, like, that we need more acceptance of of, you know, people's differences in all aspects. And, like, that's the sort of wonderful thing about the Fire Island is that they're separated from this sort of, like, cis-het majority community. Um, They're in a place where they feel safe and can be completely themselves because they're not expected to conform to any sort of, like, heteronormist society. Um, It's been that way for... Yeah. You know, a century, half a century and or more. And the thing is, it's know? like, people deserve those sorts of spaces, but I also think that people should feel safe wherever they are. Yeah. You know, and maybe you retreat to certain spaces like that to feel even more like you're accepted and you can find more people like you. And But I also feel like in the world at large, people should be free to to walk around the world and be who they are and not be like... You know... <laughs> And that's what Pride Month is about. So, um, yeah. Great choice. Yeah. And I'm happy that the movie's doing so well. I think it's a, like 97% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got an amazing word of mouth. Lots of good stories and uh, criticism about it. And it's really easy to find on Hulu. Um, so if you haven't caught it yet, please make some time to see it. And you'll be really rewarded. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it really is I, I just really am glad that uh, it, it made and it exists in the world. And, um, you know, while we're at it, if you haven't seen Sex Education on Netflix, also watch that because it's awesome. Yeah, I was almost hoping that you chose that. <laughs> just the entire series. <laughs> well, Let's talk I mean, about Because you saw it, you know, last year or whenever. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, you put it on for me. I was like, this show's amazing. Can we watch the whole thing? Well, it's interesting because, like, I, you know, we're we're a bit waspy over here so we are sometimes a little um uncomfortable with you know sexuality being expressed so expressively yeah. on tv you know which is like our own issue but like i loved watched it and loved it but i was a little embarrassed to show it to you because of the sort of overt sexuality of it mm-hmm. but like that's the thing is that like that's part of the human experience and they are like getting into like all the different aspects of it in that show and um it really helps you get more comfortable with with talking about it and thinking about it and um it's funny that it can i mean like it's 
clearly, you know, for teenagers who are curious and exploring these sorts of things, but it really helps us 40 and 50 year olds as well. Yeah, so. I loved it. I just thought it was done so well. Yeah. <laughs> and I've recommended it to my teenagers. I don't know that I would watch it. Well, I would watch it with them. Yeah, yeah. I think we've watched bits and pieces as they've wandered into the room. But um, it's such a great show. Well, I, it's just like I... And there's I more have, to come. Yeah, how my, how my life... I've always loved teenage shows because, like, the thing is, is that teenagers are just starting to come in contact with these, like, conflicts and experiences that are going to be difficult, like, your whole life and that you have to learn how to deal with them. And they react in a very honest way to them. Instead of, like, shutting down and turning things off, they are, you know interested in their feeling things and it's before you know you become an adult new and you shut everything (laughs) down and i i i guess part of me feels like i've never really been the kind of probably what you would consider to be a highly sensitive person i've never really been able to turn off that i'm better at hiding it than i was when i was that age but i've just Wait, you mean your inner teenager? Yeah, or yeah, the way I, you I, react to yeah, them. the way I react to things in the oh, world. That's it's just like I, I'm, I'm curious and I'm interested, but I'm also easily heard and and confused and all of those. You don't things. show a lot of it. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I have to get to know you. <laughs> you know, so um, I feel like works like that really help me to understand myself. Yeah. You know, and that's what, you know, great art does is that it, you know, makes you challenges you and makes you think about other people's experiences, but also helps you understand your own experiences. So, yeah, um, Fire Island. Good job. <laughs> good job. Uh, yeah, go catch it. Yeah. And uh, now I have uh, I have my work cut out for me to find something good to yeah. to uh, show you next time. Yeah. But um, our, uh, we promise we won't go on another three month uh, hiatus. We'll we'll do our best. (laughs) We'll be back in two (laughs) weeks with our next show. Um, I'm so happy that you've uh, hit play today and listened to us and uh, and, uh, come back again next time. It's my turn. Don't know what it's going to be. That's what you get with this show. (laughs) Steve Martin one week, Fire Island the next. Uh, Seven Samurai another week. Who knows what yeah. you're gonna get? You've got the you've got it's like wandering into a, a video store that's has no organization to it whatsoever. That's exactly what what it's like. It's like let here let's pick this off the shelf. That's what you get when you and, have two uh, in, two intuitives make a podcast. Two intuitives uh, who often choose the the film of the week the day before we record. <laughs> so there you go. All right, we will catch up with you next time. Uh, Tell your friends about the show. Leave us a good review out there on your podcast apps and hit subscribe and we will see you again next time. Bye. Bye.